Hey, let me ask you, it's the beginning of the year, January, January 7th, and so by now I'm sure you have figured out all your New Year's resolutions or your goals, so let's see what kind of people we have in here. How many people in here actually got out a piece of paper or got on a computer or your app and you actually wrote down some goals for 2018? How many people? Uh, there's a few. Okay, I see a few. All right. There was a few more in first service, but it was still just a small few. That's pretty normal. How many people thought about some things? You're like, I think I want to do this and kind of improve. Maybe at least had it thought. Okay, about similar to first service, so we had some thoughts. Uh, how many people have said goals and junk? Forget it, I'm not doing that. <laughs> okay, y'all, there's a special place for you. No, I'm just kidding, just kidding. Uh, if you have some goals that you thought about, I would encourage you to write them down. You want to try to accomplish them. If they're just floating in there, they'll probably be floating in there for the next few months or a few years until one day you put it down in writing and say, I'm going to accomplish this goal. I'm going for it. Let me tell you one goal that I have, I have been floating around in my mind for, for several years, but I wrote it down, all right, because I, I need your help. Here's my goal. I want to lose another 20 pounds. Now, I haven't spoken that out loud very to very many people, but for the last several years, I've been playing with trying to lose 20 to 30 pounds. I'm down about 10, and I kind of held that over the holidays. I was glad with that. I need to lose another 20 pounds. I need your help. See, by me telling you my goal, you all can help me. So if we go out to eat together or go get coffee together or something like that, and I say, I want to order dessert, look at me and say, uh-uh, Brian, uh -uh, you have a goal. I'm holding you accountable. Or if you have me over to your house, please don't sabotage my goal. All right? You know I like steak and potatoes and chocolate and cake. Don't do that. Just have a salad, okay? And just say, Brian, here's salad. You know, it's cheap. You know, real simple, okay? So I give you permission. We're having a fellowship dinner around here. You see my plate all heaped up with a bunch of stuff. Come and say, Pastor, what are you doing? And hold me accountable. I wish I knew your goals. <laughs> all right? See, that's a bad thing about preaching. I have to get honest with you all. So I have a goal to lose some weight. But, you know, that goal is important to my health. Yeah. Will it be, be healthy? Yeah. It'll be good. But really, in the scheme of life, it's meaningless. It really is. And I want to challenge you with a goal today that I hope that you would grab onto and that you would adopt as one of your goals. And you say, you know what? I'm going to go for that. I can go for that. Let me show you what I want to challenge you the goal. Here's the goal I want to ask you to do. With God's help and my church's support, I will do my best to reach one. With God's help, in other words, with the Spirit of God living inside of me, the Holy Spirit that I have, I'm going to use His help because I can't do it by myself. And with my church's support, so as we talk about it and we engage in it and, and we work together at it, and as my small group talks about it, my growth group that I'm in talks about it, with my church's help, I'll do my best to reach one. In other words, I'm going to help one person come to know Jesus, to cross the line of faith this year. Jesus actually modeled this idea, this one-to-one, -one, reaching one person at a time for us. It was the way he lived his life as he was eager to do good. It seemed he was always investing in individuals, always focusing his love, his miracles, his working power, his saving grace, his teaching, just one-to-one. -one. Now, I know you say, wait a minute, he preached to large crowds. He absolutely did preach to large crowds. But the life-changing events that you really see is when he targeted people individually, 
one to one. Think about it. He called each of the disciples to leave everything and follow him. It was a one to one relationship. Drop your nets, come and follow me. Leave your mom and dad, come and follow me. Leave your country, come and follow me. You'll have nowhere to lay your head, but come and follow me. You're going to do a great mission. It was a one to one call. He touched a leper. That's a one-to-one relationship. And he says, I'm going to heal you. He listened to a centurion and healed his servant. He forgave a paralytic. He complimented the character of Nathaniel. He raised an official's daughter from the dead. He confronted a rich young ruler about his values. He went out of his way to witness to a Samaritan woman at the well when that would have never been accepted in that culture. He cast demons out of a distraught young girl. He visited in, in the home of Zacchaeus. Jesus Jesus was all about the one-to-one relationship as you look at his life. One person to another person to another person. He even took time to reattach the severed ear of the high priest servant who came to take him from the garden. Put it back on and say, hey, whoa, 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 we're not going to fight with swords. Let's not behave that way. And he saved the one thief on the cross. One-to-one, as he interacted with people, one-to-one, he showed his power, showed his strength, introduced him to to people, to to the saving power of God, one-to-one. So Jesus was so aware of the one-to-one need in people's lives. I believe we tend to live pretty blindly. Seldom do we notice the ones who who are around us. We tend to take for granted the ones who are closest to us. We think, well, they're close to us. They'll love us. I love them. But sometimes they can be hurting and, and, and dying on the inside, and they need a one-to-one relationship, but we look right on past it. We tend to overlook the ones that we see with frequency, people we're in relationship with, people that we work with, those kind of people that we go to school with. We just kind of do it day in and day out. We see them again and again and again. We tend to look past the ones we meet casually through the course of a day, and we go, well, we just meet them, and it could have been a God ordained meeting. Let me tell you about a meeting yesterday that I had. I didn't plan it. I just knew what I was preaching on. And so as I, if you know what you're preaching on, you're like, okay, God, my eyes are kind of open. And God's been opening my eyes. Like, Brian, are you noticing the day-to-day interactions? And I had lunch at a Mexican restaurant yesterday. I walked out to my car. And as I was walking out, there's a gentleman walking by me with one of those big boots on, like he broke his leg. And I just casually said, oh, man, that doesn't look like fun. He said, no, it's not been fun. He said, Christmas Eve, I got in this terrible car accident. Broke a couple vertebrae, a car flew over New Circle Road, crossed over the meeting, hit my car and four other cars, and went into a 15-minute explanation of the accident and what had happened. And just a one-to-one conversation. I just slowed down and just said, man, that doesn't look like fun. It was an amazing conversation to take place with somebody when you start to care and you just slow down to notice the people that are around you. What if we begin to see others with the eyes of Jesus? What if in 2018, what if we concentrated our attention on reaching one? Not to the exclusion of others and say, nope, I don't care about anybody else, but rather with intentionality for the next 12 months that we start thinking, God, who do you have in my life? Who is the one person, God, that you've put around me? I see him every single day. Is it my brother? Is it my sister? Is it my mom? Is it my dad? Is it my coworker? I see children down here. Is it a schoolmate? Is it someone you're hanging out with on a sports team that you're involved in their life and God says listen I have you involved in their life so that you can be the hands and the feet of Jesus and introduce somebody to the saving grace of Jesus what if 
What if we took it seriously? What if we took it seriously to be the person responsible for bringing that one person into the family of God? God says, this is your one person. And you say, God, I'm going to love them. I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to care about them. I'm going to reach out to them. Studies have shown that 87%, 87%, nearly 9 out of 10 people who come to Jesus were invited by a family member or a friend. Let that sink in for a minute. Nine out of ten of your relationships is what that means. Nine out of ten. Jesus very clearly shows us his pattern, his purpose in coming to this earth, and he passes that purpose on to us. And I just wonder, church, are we willing in 2018 to say, you know, I didn't take this serious. See, the church in America for so many years has just been stagnant. Still the stats will tell you about 18 to 20 percent of people attend the church on a given Sunday, 18 to 20%, while about 80% of people claim they're Christians. So the numbers don't match up. Because if you're really a Christian, you want to do things that God calls you to do, and you'll be part of that. And so there's a lot of people who don't know Jesus. And at the same time, there's a lot of other faith groups that are growing. And so our mission is, is growing more and more by the moment as the Lord's return gets nearer and nearer. And so we should be more and more motivated to go, his return is coming, and so I want my friends to be with me in heaven. I want my acquaintances, my coworkers, I want them to walk with me. And Jesus modeled this for us. And Jesus taught this to us. Consider these texts. In the book of Matthew, Jesus was with the Pharisees, and they saw this, and they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? It's when the religious of the religious were challenging Jesus on his behavior and, and challenging the disciples. Like, why is he hanging around those tax collectors? And the word sinner there actually means scum of the earth. Why is Jesus hanging around with tax collectors and the scum of the earth? If he's really supposed to be the king of kings and the Lord of lords and this great rescuer, that person wouldn't hang around with those people. That's really what the text says. On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, or I have come, not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So he's looking at the people who are the religious of the religious and saying, really, I didn't come for you. I came for all these people who are broken and sick, and they realize they're broken and sick. Now, you would read that passage and go, man, that, that's pretty strong. I think it's strong because it, you also see it in the other Gospels. You ever heard of the synoptic Gospels where the Gospels cross over and there's, there's things that are written in, in Matthew and Mark and Luke and you see it by three different writers? Well, look at the book of Mark. When the teachers of law who were Pharisees saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who needs a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Does that sound awful familiar? Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Sounds exactly what Matthew was writing. And then you go to the book of Luke and see what Luke wrote. And he said, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belong to their sect complained to the disciples. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And so three different writers at three different time frames, some who hung with Jesus, some who were not, Luke and Mark and Matthew, they all write about the same account and say it almost exactly the same. And I stop and ponder and go, why is that? Why did God put that in his word? 
Well, if you believe that all Scripture is God-ordained and God-breathed and God wants it there, then I kind of say God wants us to catch the message. Not just once, not just twice, but three times, three different people, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. He says, listen, I have not come for the healthy because the healthy don't need a doctor, but I've come for the sick. I've not come to call the righteous. I've come to call the sinners to repentance. And so I'll hang out with the scum of the earth. Here's the interesting thing. You start looking at that and you go, well, there's a lot of people sick today. They got the flu. They got the sinus gunk going on. It's not this kind of sickness he's talking about. He's talking about soul sickness. He's talking about people who have hatred in their heart. He's talking about people who are dealing with gluttony. He's talking about people who are liars and stealers and cheaters and murderers and, and, and uh, people who have been unfaithful to their spouses and people who have pornography issues and people who have sexual addiction issues and people who have alcoholic issues. He's talking about those people. He says, I have come for those people so that they could be healed. That's what he's talking about. It's not talking about, I just came because there's some people who have the flu or some people who have cancer. Yeah, he heals that kind of stuff too. But in this passage, he's talking about people who have a sick soul. He said, I have come for them, and so I'll go hang out with them. Matter of fact, I think if Jesus were to come here in physical form today and hang out with us, I don't know if he would stop here at Centerpoint Christian Church. I'm not sure if he would. He might. I do know, just from example, he'd be down at the bar. He'd be down talking to the prostitutes. He'd be down at the soup kitchen. He'd be at the homeless center. He'd be meeting people who are broken and hurting. He'd say, you all got to figure out. You're righteous enough over there. Keep doing your thing. Now, if he came here, he'd probably want to smack us on the hand and say, you all think you're too righteous. Any church that he would kind of visit. But he came not for the righteous, but for the sick. It's interesting because when you look at that and you look at the situations of sinners, I love Luke 19. Turn your Bibles to Luke 19. Let me just read this to you. It's a great story, and it's so true, though, but it's such an example of Jesus coming to us one to one to one to one. Here's what it says. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not. Short man means actually midget. Being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must sit at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be with the guest of sinners. You can see people and all that. Can you believe he went to Zacchaeus' house? Zacchaeus, that Jesus went to Zacchaeus, that scum of the earth. Why would he be going over there? They'd be talking behind his back. Why would he be doing that? But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possession to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And so there's a conversation that takes place between Jesus and Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus recognizes his wrong and he repents. He's like, I want to make right. And so I'm going to pay back. And Jesus says to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save what was lost. That's why Jesus came to this earth. 
And we see it carried out in a one-to-one-to-one relationship. Came to seek and save what was lost. He went after one coin and one sheep and one son. And he came after you and me in a one-to-one relationship. And our mission given to us from Jesus is to go into all the world to preach and teach, to baptize and make disciples. It starts with us going, and the going is about a one-to-one relationship. Church, I want you to know that when sinners meet Jesus, when they surrender to Jesus, lives are changed. The mission of our church is connect the disconnected to help them center their life on Jesus, living 24 hours a day, seven days a week, so their life is changed. And that mission is not a a church corporate mission. It should be a one-to-one mission. It's one-to-one. Each and every person sitting in this room to adopt that mission and say, my job is to connect people to Jesus Christ. And when we connect them to Jesus Christ, they'll learn how to walk with Jesus Christ. They'll experience a life that is changed in Jesus Christ. It's a redeemed life. Now, it's easy to get up here and preach about this. I've done it many times, but one of the downfalls, sometimes we preachers, we can preach and not give you some some meet to kind of grab onto and say, now what's next or does this really happen? And so I want you to know that when sinners meet Jesus, that life is changed. I don't want you to sit here and go, yeah, that sounds nice. Okay, that, that sounds real good, preacher. I want you to experience this through some stories. So each week I have someone who's lined up to come and, and share with us during this message series. Someone who says, let me tell you my story about where I was before I knew Jesus, and let me tell you where I am now that I know Jesus, and let me tell you what redemption does to me and does to us. See, because what happens is sometimes we get a mindset that says, oh, they're too far gone. They're doing this, this, and this. I just give up on them, and I'm not sure that God could really reach that person or reach my husband or reach my friend. I want you to tell you, He can reach all because His promises are faithful and true. And so today I want you to hear from Devin Ott. I met Devin, I don't know, six, eight months ago and we started sharing and him and his wife have gotten involved in our church very faithfully. But I've got a chance to hear his story. And I said, Devin, you need to share that story with the church. And so as we talked, we said, we're going to pick a day in early January to share the story of God's redemption. Did you get that on? Okay, and so just if you would, give your attention to Devin and uh, listen into to his story. My name is Devin, and uh, I am redeemed. Amen. You know, it's a blessing to be able to share and give glory to God, although what I am going to share, I am ashamed. Um, I am redeemed. What am I redeemed from? Well, you know, all of my sin, but one thing I've been redeemed from was I spent uh, 25 years in prison for taking the life of a young man. I grew up in church. I grew up in church. Attended uh, Sunday twice, Sunday morning, Sunday school, Sunday night services. I worked at Saturday at the church. I went to Wednesday Awana. I went to Thursday choir. And then I went to school at the church. So just because uh, you go to church a lot doesn't mean you're a Christian or even saved. Because uh, I wasn't. Because I never repented. I heard the good news 
but I rejected it. In fact, uh, Psalms 107 says that uh, those who despise the counsel of the Most High, I despise this counsel. I didn't listen. Proverbs chapter 1 talks about the person that listens to those people that says, come, lie and wait with us to shed blood. So don't listen to them, but I did. I was involved in all kinds of crime growing up, uh, just from a young age, shoplifting all the way to uh, getting involved in violence, uh, stealing, all that junk, and many, many poor choices, and didn't listen to the counsel of my mother, my father, the multitudes of pastors, youth counselors that tried to speak the word of God into my life. I plugged up my ears and ran headlong to hell. So at the age of 18, I became involved with the group, and uh, we ended up taking the life of a young man. Uh, you think I got better then? I went to prison, and I did not get better. I got worse. I found out that, uh, you know, inside prison is a dark, horrible place filled with what the past was scumbags, and I was one of them. And um, I chose more evil. Got involved, found myself in a segregation gang module. Uh, claimed that, you know, my race was the best race. Bunch of garbage. But I was sold out for it. Now, my mom loved Jesus. And people were still praying for me. So don't give up. You know, uh, my mom came to see her and she kept preaching Jesus at me. And I would tell her, Mom, I don't want to hear that stuff. I don't want to hear about that. I heard about the love of God. Man, I heard about the love of God from this high. And, you know, of course, God loved everybody, but I didn't, I didn't want that love. You know, I, I didn't need that love. I needed this over here, the darkness that I had chosen. And I found myself in darkness. And, uh, you know, the Bible says, uh, he who commits bloodshed, let no one help him because he falls into a pit. And I was in a pit of darkness. And I was using drugs, and I was trying to run and hide, and God was reaching out to me through the Holy Spirit. Amen? He was convicting my heart, but I didn't want to receive what was going on. I felt the conviction. I knew what I had done was wrong. And I knew, because God's given to every man a conscience, that I deserved to die. I deserved to go to hell. But I was just plugging my ears. The Bible says that, uh, you know, those who don't listen to God, he gives them over to a debased mind. And that's where I found myself, with a debased mind. One time, my mom came to see me preaching Jesus, and I said, Mom, I want some money. Give me my money. And she said, no. And it was my money. And it was, what do you mean, no? And, you know, I was in such a dark place. When my mom told me no, that I would have leaped up and attacked her. That's how much in the darkness I had. I began to curse at my mom. I began to swear at my mom. I told mom, get out of my life. I never, ever want to see you again. I hate you. Get out. And she left crying. And I went back up to my little module. But it wasn't over. God's story, God's grace is amazing. My mom came back the next week. And she spoke the most amazing words. She spoke words of redemption. She spoke the gospel. She said, no matter what you do or what you say, you can never change my love for you. No matter what you do or what you say, you can never 
changed my love for you. Now, I have been through a lot of discipline and tough love and all kinds of craziness and been involved in all kinds, but those words, the Holy Spirit used those words. I went back up to my module and I thought, and I just, those words echoed in my mind and the Holy Spirit just revealed to me all my evil against just my mother and how she had loved me, bore me, fed me, clothed me, and here I was, I had brought shame and reproach, and she said, I still love you. And God used that to just open my eyes to what the gospel really meant. God didn't love me because I was lovable. God loved me because he is love. He's love. And I saw it, and God showed me in a moment of time all my wickedness against everybody and everything that had really been done against him and that I deserve to die and go to hell forever and ever. But I love that word. He had grace. He gave his one and only son to die on the cross for my sins, even as ugly as I was. And I cried out, and I said, save me, Jesus. And I meant it, and I repented, and my life was transformed. God did so many wonderful, amazing things. Let me just say, I got out of that gang module. God delivered me from that place, and God began to set my feet on a straight path. I was facing the death penalty, but God gave me 25 years of life as mercy. Mercy. And God began to use me, and I went around, and I carried this, not my Bible, I'm going to pick up Master but I began to carry my Bible, and I began to speak words of life and speak words of redemption. And I said, this is what Jesus did, because God changed me. God reconciled me to my mom. He reconciled me to my family. God gave me a wonderful, amazing, beautiful wife. Years, years later, I spent 25 years in prison. In 1990, I gave my life to the Lord. In 1988, I committed my crime. I served the Lord from 1990 all the way till I got out in 2013. And God used me in the lives of men who were broken as I was. God used me to share their lives. God made me the pastor over a yard, and I began to share and to preach and to teach. And that's what God does. And I was just one person that he used and so I just want to share with you three things. Number one, just because you're in church doesn't mean you're saved. You got to repent. <laughs> Amen. Doesn't matter how many times you come here, you're not saved. If you ain't giving your life over to Jesus Christ. Number two, no matter what you've done, God's grace is amazing. You're not too dark, not too black. Just one prayer away. God's grace is so amazing and abundant. I've just received his grace, and I know it. Number three, for you that uh, are parents struggling with people that, or you know somebody that is struggling, don't give up. Don't give up. Keep preaching. Keep sharing the love of God. Keep speaking the words of grace into their lives, because you know after 15 years, God said to me one day, he said, I want you to write all those people in that church that loved you, that when you went to prison, they thought it was over and that you had just committed the unpardon, and you write them and tell them what I begin to do in your life. And I did. I wrote them and said, thank you for loving me. 
thank you for reaching out even when I didn't receive it because God's grace has touched my life. Thank you for your prayers. Don't stop praying for people. Amen? Don't stop praying for people. My name's Devin, and I've been redeemed. Thank you. Thank you. I think when Dev and I first met and he started sharing his story, my jaw probably hit the floor like, really? Then the question is, are you real? Is this, is this true? And so him and I, we talked, I appreciate Devin's being submissive and willing to follow leadership. I said, let's allow you to serve around the church for six months or so and get to know you. Then let's share this publicly so it doesn't just filter out because of the rumor mill. You know, oh, did you hear about Devin? Jesus went to Zacchaeus. We would have done the same thing. Would have done the exact same thing. We need to hear stories like that because we have the opportunity to be involved in people's life to reach one if we don't give up. If we don't say, oh, they're too far gone. And I told Devin today, we were talking, I said, are you nervous? He said, no, I'm not really nervous. Just concerned how people will receive me. I said, I think you'll be received here with grace at center point. Because if you don't receive them with grace, then you're just pharisaical like one of the Pharisees in Scripture. I told Devin, I said, if people have a complaint about it, they can bring it to me. And I'll tell them, I'll say, hey, here's the church we're going to be. We're not going to be a pharisaical church. We're going to welcome people. We're going to welcome people no matter where they are. Now, if you want to be a Pharisee, then there's other churches that will gladly welcome you. They'll gladly say you're welcome here. But see, we've got to be a church that has blinders on. And we don't care what the blinders to the skin color Blinders to the language barrier because the languages around us are changing greatly. Blinders to tattoos and piercings and, and gauges and whatever. Blinders to the clothes they're wearing. Blinders to sexual preferences. Blinders to all this junk that gets in the way so that we can introduce people to Jesus. And when you get to know Jesus, then Jesus will do the work of redemption in their life. <clears throat> and so you keep loving people keep reaching people I love it Devin you shared this when we sat in a restaurant you shared today your mom said I'll never give up I will always love you people need people in their lives like that I'll never give up I will always love you that doesn't mean she approved she wasn't saying oh you're okay everything you did no I, I don't like your sin I don't like the choices I will always love you and so that's the mode I want us to lift up in this church this year, that we will be willing to reach one. So let me give you some action steps to take, to, to start creating this mentality inside of you and so we can grow it in this church. And today's just message one of a few more to come as we talk about this idea of reaching one. First of all, I want to encourage you, get out your phone and start a list. Now I know some of you go, I don't do something on my phone. Then fine, go old school and get a piece of paper. All right, I don't care. Start a list with prayer. God, who is in my life that maybe you have me involved with them because I'm, my one is in this group? 
Who do I work with? And it may be, man, that person that drives you crazy at work. Put them on your list. Who, who's in my family? You just went through the month of December. You spent a lot of time with family. Some of them you absolutely love, and some of you are like, I'm glad I only see them at Christmas. Let's be honest. But maybe they need to be on your list. And you make this list, and you start praying, God, who is the one that I'm supposed to love deeply, that I'm supposed to pray for, that I'm supposed to just change my mind and my heart and my attitude? And you have a list that you just start thinking about, and you start praying for. And I believe one will rise to the top with God's power, and you'll say, hey, that's the one I want you to go for. That's the one I want you to care about and love. So I want you to start a list. Two, I want you to join our private Facebook group. So we've created a private Facebook group. So you are not going to just get added to the group. You have to be invited. The only way I'm going to invite you to it is if you take the step to send me an email at office at mycpoint.com and say, I want to be part of the Reach One Initiative Facebook group. Because inside of that group, what we're going to do is we're going to create a group of people who are hungry to reach one, and we're going to do some training. I'm going to do some follow-ups to the sermon saying, hey, here's some things I've learned through 25 years of ministry. You're going to teach me. We'll start doing some sharing. We'll do some, some live video. We'll share some articles. We'll share some encouragement. We'll have some times of praying together. Some of you are going, well, I'm not on Facebook. Well, I'll encourage you to get on Facebook. If this is the only thing you get on it for, because this is the avenue instead of me having you come to meetings and do other things, get in this group. Now, again, someone asked me on a holiday, they said, now, I got to do what? You send an email to office at my C-Point that says, I want to be part of the Reach One initiative. We will then add you to the group. But it's a private group. It's not something you could search it and you're not going to be able to find it. Or if you do find it, if you search it, it's going to be locked. And so the only way to get in it is by invite because we're looking for people who are serious who say, I'm going to take this serious. I take serious my job. I take serious my school. I take serious my health. I take serious all this other stuff. Well, I'm going to take it serious and I'm going to really consider and pray and focus on reaching one. Thirdly, I want to ask you to get a wristband. They're going to come around with them right now. They're going to pass out the baskets, and we have these little bands like this. I want to ask you to take a band. And if you're willing to wear it, then wear it. And here's the purpose of these wristbands as they come around. On one side, it says reach one. On the inside, it says each one reach one. And so that's the big goal, each one of us to reach one this year. But here's the purpose. The purpose is one is a prayer reminder so I don't know about you, but I find it very helpful to have some things I'm praying for that are before me. Objects help me with that. So whenever you wear this or whenever you see it laying on your, on your dresser or, or on your bathroom sink, you're reminded, oh yeah, I'm supposed to be praying for that person. And so I want you to have that before you be a prayer reminder. It's a personal motivator. I mean, when you take that time and you put this on, you, you're not just going to throw it on. You're going to think, oh yeah, I'm supposed to be doing that. Oh, yeah, I'm supposed to be reaching out to that person. I'm supposed to be thinking about that person. It's also a conversation starter, kind of in two ways. It's a conversation starter because people you know may see you wearing that band and they'll say, what's that band about? Well, let me tell you what it's about. Man, me and my church, we're praying for somebody to be reached. And you can tell them, I'm praying for. It may be them. I'm praying for you. It could be a conversation starter that could lead to some life being changed. It can be a conversation starter around the dinner table. At home when you're eating with your children and feel free to take a few of them for your children and have them wear one and talk to them about reaching one. And when you're having dinner together, say, hey, who are you praying for? How's that going? Oh, you're praying for Johnny. Oh, you're praying for Sally. Well, I'm praying for Mike and your, your mom's praying for Susan. Let's all pray for them together as we get ready to have our meal. 
that God would use our family to help these people reach one. Maybe you're wearing it and it's, you're praying for your husband or your wife or your son or your daughter. Every day you wear that, that could be a conversation or it could be a reminder. They ask you about it and say, yeah, that's just my reminder to pray for you. I'm praying that you would know the love of Jesus. And so I want to encourage you, church, we are not just going to play around. Our mission is to connect people with God. And if it's our mission, then we should be going after it. And Jesus gave us our marching orders. He's the one that told us to go into all the world. He's the one that told us to do that. He's the one that told us to preach and teach and to baptize and make disciples. And so we're just picking up the mission that our master and commander has told us to do. And so this year, church, I want to ask you, pray faithfully, engage seriously, and let's go after reaching one together. Bow your heads in prayer with me. Father God, right now, you are uh, doing some work on our hearts and our minds. Lord, some in this room are like, man, I'm on fire. I'm ready. I want to do it. Lord, some in this room are a little scared. I'm not really sure how I'm going to do that. I'm not sure what to say. I'm not sure how to do it. That's really gets me out of my comfort zone. And Lord, some in this room maybe have arms folded and are like, yeah, okay, I'm going on to work tomorrow. Father, would you unite our heart and our mind on this goal, on this mission? Would you uh, do a work in this church, Lord, in 2018 that we just get really serious about this? We are really thinking and praying, how do we reach out to people? How do we help people know the love of Jesus? Help us overcome any any hang-ups or any excuses or any hard hearts. Lord, help us to blow right through that by the power of your Spirit and that you do this work inside of us. Father, we come to this time of communion and we're reminded that you came for one and one and one and one that we're reminded of is ourselves. So as we receive communion, Lord, we're reminded about your redeeming work on the cross for us your body that was given, your blood that was shed and makes it possible for us to be loved. We're reminded, Lord, that, that your scripture tells us that God so loved the world that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And Lord, we, this is a time of reminder of our belief. And so, Father, we're going to receive this communion with heart of thankfulness, but also help us to think of one. Our mind is already drawn to one. We already got some people in our heads. And so, Lord, as we're reminded and we remember, help us to also pray for those who, are, those who need Jesus.